With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You are listening to The Air Raid Hour with host Judge Mathis, dog, Tilt Money, dog, presented by the fine folks over at the Cover One Sports Network, dogs, Bill's Mafia, let's go! Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to The Air Raid Hour. My name is Steve Mathis. You can find me on Twitter. At Judge Mathis, and here for this combine edition of the Air Eight Hour, combine preview edition of the Air Eight Hour, joined by a special guest this evening, uh, a Cover One contributor here, Andrew Stasel. Uh, Andrew, how are you doing this evening? Doing good. Um, very excited for Combine Week. I love the off season, so I'm excited to break down some of the guys tonight. Before we get started here, talk a little bit about what you what you do here at Cover One because you're sort of like an everyman. You're a, a utility infielder and an outfielder for us here at Cover One, doing a whole lot of stuff. So talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so um, I'd say a lot of my strengths are in sort of the data field. Um, I've worked in women's basketball, the NBA, um, college football too. So I've worked with a lot of different types of data. Um, I really like working with data. So anything... Eric or Greg has, um, and as you said, doing a lot of different types of things like making graphics, trying to make sure that some of the data is digestible too. Um, so, so yeah, trying to be as helpful as possible um, and contribute in any way I can. So, yeah, no, for sure, and and that that data part is going to be important tonight as we talk about the NFL combine because I know you said you're you're ready to go and ready to roll with with some interesting numbers and some interesting guys that you might be interested in. Uh before we get started this is the Air Raid Hour presented by Picasso's Pizza and Cover 1. Before we get into that combine talk, I want to have a, a conversation with you because it's something that's been on my mind this week. This is sort of before we get into the combine stuff, I want to talk a little bit of general NFL stuff and that is there have been some notable moves in the National Football League this week. Robert Woods has been released by the Tennessee Titans. They released Zach Cunningham as well. Bobby Wagner released by the LA Rams. Michael Brockers released by the Detroit Lions. We saw Bobby McCain released today by the Washington Commanders. Tis the season for guys to be released for cap purposes and to save some teams some money so they, like the Buffalo Bills, can get closer to the salary cap and get a little bit of wiggle room. And 
Now, in typical fashion, when a guy like Robert Woods or a guy like Bobby Wagner gets released, everyone's like, oh, somebody's released. Of course, the Buffalo Bills should be in on them, like sort of making fun or, or, or you know, in jest, joking about that player and, and linking them to the Buffalo Bills. But this this year, my eye is on that market, those guys who are released because if the Buffalo Bills lose Tremaine Edmonds, if Tr- Jordan Phillips goes out and gets decent money somewhere, if Jordan Phillips walk or not Jordan Phillips, excuse me, Jordan Poyer walks in free agency, guys like Robert Woods, Bobby Wagner, Michael Brockers, if they can come in and fill a hole, they don't count against that comp pick formula. So if any of these guys who have been released over the last week sort of intrigue you as someone the Buffalo Bills should be interested in? Yeah, personally, um, I'm still a big Robert Woods fan. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that I think that his injury, um, the torn ACL, I think that affected a lot of his production. Um, I also think the Titans offense was just kind of a mess this year, Um, you know, with A.J. Brown leaving and Burks was hurt for a lot of the year, Mm -hmm. too. Um, Tannehill also got hurt. And um, there are a couple of games where, um, you know, they didn't have him. So I and I think also, you know, the GM got fired midseason. Um, there are a couple of things where I think the Titans as a whole weren't doing very well. So I, I think that, um, based on his injury and the Mm -hmm. Titan situation, um, I would still, I would still think that he could contribute in a Mm -hmm. way that would be beneficial for us in Buffalo. So. Yeah, hundred percent. Robert Woods is the one that stood out to me the most as well. I mean, he's a quick separator. He's a guy who can get separation in man to man. He's a guy who can get separation by finding, you know, spots and holes in zone coverage. He's got reliable hands. He can play on the boundary. He can play primarily, probably likely play in the slot. He's a guy who can be utilized in the, the screen game as well. If the Buffalo Bills ever decide to develop uh, a screen game, Wade comes in and says Robert Woods is old now. Yeah, he is 30, and that's one of the reasons why he was released. But if you're the Buffalo Bills, this is a guy who doesn't count against the comp pick formula, and you look out at the, the free agent class of wide receivers, it, you know, it's it's Miko Hardman if you want to spend an arm and a leg. It's Jacoby Myers if you want to spend an arm and a leg. We probably won't even be able to afford the likes of Jacoby Myers. So when you're weighing like Robert Woods against like Richie James or Paris Campbell, all of a sudden a guy like Robert Woods looks a little bit – uh, better, especially when you maybe pair him with a draft pick as well. So a guy like Robert Woods, I have my eye on Bobby Wagner. I know he's got the name and I know he still plays very well. I just, I'm very hesitant on a guy like, like Bobby Wagner. There's definitely a number of linebackers. I'd rather go out and spend on in free agency guys like Drew Tranquil, guys like Jermaine Pratt, even guys like Levante David, if we're willing to spend, if the Buffalo bills lose Tremaine Edmonds. All right. So the focus of today is going to be the scouting combine and it's, it's, it's up and it's ready to go. I know a lot of the Buffalo beat guys, we here at cover one, we've got a, a person down there in Indy and Brandon Bean speaks tomorrow at 10 AM, I believe is the time. So if you tune on NFL network, or if you go to the Buffalo bills, Twitter tomorrow morning, Brandon Bean will sort of be addressing the media and answering some questions. So that's something to look forward to tomorrow, but the on the field workouts start, March 2nd at 3 p.m. with the defensive linemen and the linebackers. March 3rd with defensive backs and special teams. March 4th with quarterbacks, wide receivers, and tight ends. It's one of the big ones. And then March 5th, it closes out from 1 to 7 p.m. with offensive linemen and running backs. All coverage is on either NFL Network or ABC. Before we get into the players and talk about the players, I also wanted to sort of 
throw out a couple of, of combined reminders, right? Like number one is don't draft guys based solely on testing numbers. Brandon Bean has, has made this comment before. He was like, listen, our board is set before we get to Mobile. Our board is set before we get to the Senior Bowl. Things like the Senior Bowl, things like the Combine, they just make you go back and they make you maybe reevaluate the film. I think Gabriel Davis is a huge example of this. Gabriel Davis didn't have the greatest Combine a couple of years ago, but now they have that Bills embedded scene where Brandon Bean is actively rooting against Gabriel Davis running a good 40 because he wants him to be there for the Buffalo Bills in the fourth round. So Brandon Bean's mind was already made up about Gabriel Davis before he even clocked his 40-yard dash time. So this weekend, and at least for the Bills, I think it's for medicals and it's for interviews. And we saw the importance of the interview process last year with Kyer Elam. Some of the things that we're really never going to see until after the fact. So as much as we enjoy watching these workouts, it's all the stuff that's going on behind the scenes that we don't see that's way more important than what we do see sort of on television. What are your thoughts and your mindset heading into, into this event? Yeah, I think it, exactly like what you said. Um, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the combine, um, a lot of it is for show. Um, there are some things mm -hmm. where I think that, you know, if a player, I mean, we were talking about a little bit pre-show, but um, some players that test completely wild and, you know, mm -hmm. they might move up two full rounds or something, or at least that's what the public feels that they moved up two full mm -hmm. rounds. Whereas maybe the GMs already knew that he was going to test well. Um, and there are a couple instances too, where I think play speed is a lot different than testing speed in the combine. So even though there are these guys that, mm -hmm. you know, a wide receiver might run a slow 40, but he's very good at gaining separation. Um, or I know specifically a guy at Illinois last year, Kirby Joseph safety. Um, he didn't do much at the combine at all. Still got drafted in the second round, still picked off Aaron Rodgers mm -hmm. three or four times. So um, yeah, combine testing is not everything. It's very fun. Um and like you said, too, a lot of stuff on the back end is a lot more important. Um, yeah, for sure. All right. So before we get rolling and we start talking about position groups and we start talking about players, this show is brought to you by Picasso's Pizza. Four great locations in Williamsville, West Seneca, Lancaster, and Blaisdell. Buffalo Pizza since 1980. You can order online at picassospizza.net. And if you're an out-of-towner like us, you can even get it mailed to your home. And I can tell you from experience... It's just as good as getting it fresh from the restaurant. Again, that's picassospizza.net. So if you're looking for something to eat while watching the combine this weekend, head on over to picassospizza.net. Let's start with the wide receiver position because that seems to be like the position everyone wants to talk about. That's the position where when we talked about it, we did our mock draft last night with Greg Tomset, Kevin Masser. It was all about the wide receivers. Whenever I post on social media, my wide receiver posts get a million times more traction than my linebacker or my safeties post. Wide receiver seems to be what Bill's Mafia wants to talk about. So let's lead off with that. Many pundits in the draft community have serious questions about this draft class of wide receivers. Some go as far as to say that really none of these guys have wide receiver number one potential or a wide receiver number one label in their future. Despite that, there appears to be a, a lot of depth in this class and a lot of solid number two looking guys and a lot of 
solid slot looking guys, which coincidentally, you know, the Buffalo Bills have this guy named Stefan Diggs. So coincidentally, these two things is really what the Buffalo Bills need the most. So of all of these guys in Indy, like who is the one guy, the one guy who you are like, I need to make sure I, I want to make sure when he's on TV, I want to make sure I'm glued to the television. When his numbers are posted, I want to go check his numbers. Who's the one guy you got your eye on? And people in the comment section, let us know the one wide receiver that you have your eye on. Yeah, I would say the number one guy I have my eye on is Josh Downs. Um, mm. He's a Bills Mafia fan favorite. Um, you know, when I'm looking through through the college receivers, there are kind of three things that I'm looking for, at least from the slot receivers. I'm looking for heavy volume, so lots of targets. Mm -hmm. um, you know, especially for the Bills, I'm looking for a high slot percentage. Um, and then lastly, I'm looking for, you know, can you make the catch? I know that was something that a lot of Bills fans were frustrated with this year with drops. Um, so I'm looking for catchable, catchable balls thrown that are caught. Um, mm -hmm. and one guy that stuck out for me was Josh Downs. As I said, um, he ran 79.3% of his snaps in the slot, um, which was 19th among all wide receivers with hundred plus targets. Um, and then also his catch percentage too. So out of those balls thrown that are catchable, um, he's catching 93% of them, um, which mm -hmm. ranked 12th. And so out of all the guys that are going to the combine, um, he's the only guy that ranked top 20 in both of those metrics. Um, and on top of that, too, I watched him on film. I loved him. Um, specifically, one one play I remember, um, perfect whip route on the goal line. Mm -hmm. um, just something where I think he could step right into the slot and, you know, on day one, you know, fill that role for us. So. Yeah, he's he's one of the guys that we have our name. Uh, you know, I, I have my my eye on as well. Last night we were literally debating him at pick twenty seven. Like we were having conversations between him and Darnell Wright at pick twenty seven because Zay Flowers is off the board, Quentin Johnson was off the board, Jordan Addison was off the board, Jackson Smith and Jigbo was off the board. Those four guys were off the board when the, when the Buffalo Bills came up to pick at twenty seven, and we were sitting there like, do we take Josh Downs at, at, at twenty seven? And, you know, most people would consider that a reach, but schematically to your point, he is a guy who fits the mold of almost exactly what the Buffalo Bills need. He sort of can come in and he can sort of do some of the things that Cole Beasley did so effectively for the Buffalo Bills. And a comment that I made was he's more athletic than Cole Beasley too. So while he gives you that Cole Beasley stuff, he like in very small spurts can probably go out to the boundary and give you some Emmanuel Sanders type of you know, production and do some of the things that Emmanuel Sanders does as well. So a couple of things to look for him. His 10 yard split is going to be interesting just to see how quickly he gets out the gate on his 40 yard dash. Um, that typically for slot receivers is a, a really big metric at the combine. And then obviously his 40 time too uh, is going to be really interesting to see and to measure. Lucky Land Casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We have some people coming in in the comment section. Uh, you know, Cameron coming in, Cameron Judson coming in saying JSN, hope he runs a four, six, five. If he does, you know, maybe he could be sitting for the Buffalo bills at pick number 20, 27. So that'll be really interesting. Jackson Smith and Jigba, not exactly a burner. I remember last year though, everyone thought Olave and everyone thought, uh, Garrett Wilson, were not going to run the way they did. And then those Ohio state guys went in there and clocked like four eights and four, three something. So there's something down in the water there in Columbus. They got some kind of combine trainer. I think Jackson Smith and Jigba, I'm not going to say he's going to go do what Olave and Wilson did, but I wouldn't be surprised if he clocks like a 455, which I think would probably put him out of range for the Buffalo Bills. And he's another guy where the short shuttle is going to be very, very, very interesting. Billy Williams comes in and says both of the Tennessee wide receivers. Uh, Jalen Hyatt was my guy, right? Like to me, he is the most interesting. He's claiming that he can run a 429. And if he runs a 429, I, I think he's gonna make himself a first round draft pick. I know we I know we say don't read too much into the the combine, don't move guys too much on your board. But I think when a guy runs a speed like that, a 429, especially at his size, you know, six foot 175, people are gonna see that speed and people are gonna salivate over that speed. And even if he doesn't go in the first round, he'll probably go early too and not be an option for the Buffalo Bills at 59. So if you want him, you either got to make a smart trade back or you got to um, you know, take him at pick 27. And if he runs that 429 or runs a 4-3 or runs a 4-3-1, you know, speed is something that's very difficult to teach. And speed is a weapon in the NFL. And you need those guys who can stretch the field and open things up for you guys, for, for guys underneath. And, and Ken Dorsey loves, you know, running those vertical routes. So a guy like Jalen Hyatt, who ran that, you know, option offense, um, the option route offense, you know, Cedric Tillman ran that option route offense, just like Gabriel Davis did. Um, why am I blanking on the head coach of, uh, of Tennessee right now, but uh, Josh Heupel, Josh Heupel, he was at UCF when Gabriel Davis was there. So there's some familiarity there as well. And then this is another guy who, this is a guy to keep an eye on Tyler Scott, right? He is another guy who is going to possibly blaze at the combine with a 40 yard dash. I have a second round grade on Tyler Scott. I know a lot of people are like third round, fourth round. I have a second round grade on Tyler Scott because I value that attribute of speed. And I think he's a decent enough all around wide receiver and he can grow other parts of his game around that speed. He's another guy who people are going to be talking way more about him in Indy or after Indy than they were before. Do you have any thoughts on, on a guy like Tyler Scott? Yeah, I think um, to be honest, a lot of those, a lot of those receivers where, as you said, sometimes second mm -hmm. round grade, sometimes it's fourth round grade. Um, it really depends on more, more of who falls to you mm -hmm. rather than who it is. Um, and yeah, I think Tyler Scott, um, you know, I think he's going to test well too. Um, and, you know, we're going to be able to see exactly how much that moves the needle. Um, but some of those guys, as I said, sometimes, you don't know if it's a second round grade mm. or a fourth round grade. Um, and it's hard as Bill's mafia to put that pressure on somebody to 
um, make that pick when you honestly have no idea where he's going to go. Yeah. Wait comes in and says, Quentin Johnson or Cedric Tillman, we need size against all these big corners like Sauce. If Quentin Johnson somehow is the guy who slips in all this scenario and gets the Buffalo Bills at 27, that is, that's tempting, right? Because this is a guy who is just a ball of clay and you sort of get yourself into that DK Metcalf question again, right? Like, well, he didn't do a lot. He wasn't asked to do a lot in college. You know, he's got all the physical traits in the world, but you see a lot of things on tape that concern you and a lot of things that he still hasn't done yet. And a lot of parts of his game that are still underdeveloped. A lot of those questions people had about DK Metcalf as well. Do you have any strong opinion one way or the other on Quentin Johnson? Like all of those athletic traits, someone compared him to Kevin white the other day. And I was like, Oh like started to wince a little bit when I, when I heard that comp. Well, yeah. What I do think, you think about Quentin Johnson? I hope he's not Kevin white. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. I just, I think he's really good. I mean, he really mm. impressed in college. Um, I mean, you can tell the athletic abilities there. Um, I mean, there's a reason why TCU went so far into the season. It's because they had a dependable guy like Quentin Johnston. Mm. Um, now, the tough thing is, is, is he going to drop to 27? Um, and even if he drops yeah. into the 20s, I mean, there are a lot of teams in the early 20s mm. that want a receiver. Um, you know, Keenan Allen might get cut even if he doesn't. The Chargers might be looking at receiver. The Ravens might be looking at receiver. The Giants yep. might be looking at receiver. I mean, there's a ton of teams right in front of us that could be Dallas looking at receiver. Just take one because it's Dallas. <laughs> yeah, and he's and Dallas Fort Worth. You know, TCU's mm -hmm. right there, hometown. Um, so yeah, I think Quentin Johnston. It, I would be very surprised if he fell to us. Um, now, I I wouldn't be surprised if he wasn't mm -hmm. the first receiver off the board. Um, yeah but I would be surprised if he fell all the way to 27. And I just want to talk about Cedric Tillman one more time too, because he's another guy where I'm kind of like maybe hoping a little bit that he runs a slower than expected 40 time. And this might go back into the Gabriel Davis mold because I look at Cedric Tillman. He reminds me so much. I think he's a little bit quicker and less stiff than Gabriel Davis, but Cedric Tillman coming out of that Josh Heupel offense reminds me so much of what that field stretcher that Gabriel Davis is, despite the fact that he's not like an elite burner. And I think if Cedric Tillman is like sitting there, like he's probably going to be a third rounder, but if he's sitting there in the fourth round, you bring him in as your wide receiver four or five this year, Gabriel Davis hits free agency next year and Cedric Tillman just slides right in. And like, it just makes so much sense. So my eyes are definitely going to be on Cedric Tillman. A couple of people have mentioned Rishi Rice. It's going to be a big day for Rishi Rice because he like was just kind of meh at the senior bowl, right? Like a lot of the guys who from cover one said he just kind of blended in. He was just a dude at the senior bowl. Um, and this is a guy who had like a lot of early, like second round grades. So him putting up some good numbers at the combine, having good conversations, that'll go a long way. Zay Flowers. I don't know if anyone saw Tom Palisario's Twitter account today has added 15 pounds of muscle. And like his body composition looks completely different. And Zay Flowers is a guy, if he still runs well, if he still does all the short shuttles well and does all the agility drills well and scores a really high RAS score, you mentioned it wouldn't surprise you if Quentin Johnson wasn't the number one overall receiver taken. Zay Flowers could work his way into the top 15, I think, in Indianapolis. And and that's the, that's a normal, that's a normal progression, right? Like, whoa, he's a top 20, he's a 20-ish receiver. Working his way into the top 15 is something that makes sense and something you could reasonably do in Indianapolis. Yeah. And I think too, um, like, you know, how I was mentioning that slot versatility, mm -hmm. um, Zay flowers played about a third of his, his snaps in the slot. 
Um, yeah. Which I know that's something that teams are really going to like the fact that he can play outside. He can play inside. Um, and, you know, if you've watched film of Zay Flowers, you know, the talent is there. Yeah. Um, and especially if he tests well, I could see mm-hmm. him jumping over Quentin Johnston. Um, not physically jumping over him, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> jumping over him in the draft. He might. He might he could, be able he to could. Do we don't know what his vert is yet. So looking at some other names, Marvin Mims is a really interesting one, right? Uh, from Oklahoma. He's another guy uh, who, if he tests really well, I think right now he's a third, fourth round guy. Maybe he can elevate his draft stock. I've fallen in love with Jaden Reed sort of underutilized at Michigan state. I don't know if Jaden Reed is a guy and Xavier Hutchinson. Those are two guys that I don't think are going to test like off the charts. So Jaden Reed and Xavier Hutchinson, while other guys test well and move up, maybe they move back a little bit. And guys like Jaden Reed or Xavier Hutchinson could be options for the Buffalo Bills in the third, maybe even fourth round. So those are guys who maybe just sort of blending in with the crowd could help drop their stock. I mean, help in a sense that drop their stock for, for a team like Buffalo. And then, you know, Trey Palmer is an interesting one too, because Trey Palmer is in the same boat as Jalen Hyatt. Obviously, totally different body composition for Trey. Uh, not too much. He, he's more muscular, six foot one, one ninety. Not too much crazier than Jalen Hyatt, who's like six foot one seventy five, one eighty. But this is another guy, Trey Palmer and Jalen Hyatt. People don't realize like these dudes, despite the fact that they're like Will Fuller type, like beat you down the field type of guys. They did a lot of their work out of the slot. Both Trey Palmer and Jalen Hyatt did most of their work out of the slot. So it's going to be interesting to see if they can show a little bit of a body composition change, a little bit of a strength change, just something to NFL teams to make them think that they can have that inside outside versatility in the national football league. Cause that's going to be your biggest concern with the Trey Palmers of the world with the Jalen highlights of the world is can they live on the boundary mano a mano man to man when they're press covered. Right. Yeah. I know. And Trey Palmer, um, mm-hmm. you know, being a big 10 guy, that's someone that I was watching all season. Um, he did get snubbed from some of the, you know, all big 10 honors. Um, so, you know, he might not flash you in that way, but he did play two thirds of his snaps out of the slot. Um, and in an important rivalry game at the end of the year, um, if you watch his game against Iowa, mm-hmm. he burned a lot of guys, including Riley Moss, who's a secondary player. that's very popular, um, in this draft. So as you talked about, you know, some of those speed kills guys, are mm-hmm. very important. They would be a very good addition to this offense. Um, and also to mention too, some of the draft history of what, you know, Bean and company have done, yeah. you know, they really haven't drafted a receiver before round four. Mm-hmm. Um, and the only one that they technically have was that Diggs trade where they traded a first, a fourth, a fifth. Mm-hmm. Um, but besides that, you know, Gabe Davis has been the earliest drafted receiver in Brandon Bean's mm. tenure. So some of these guys where we think I, they might go round yeah. two at a receiver yeah. or, you know, I think Bill's mafia, we should probably um, temper our expectations and probably not mm. assume that we're going to take three <laughs> receivers in the first four yeah. rounds or anything. So um, another really interesting guy that I'm going to have my eye on at the combine is going to be tank Dell five foot 10, 150 pounds. And I just remember last year, I was like after the combine, cause I had already, I, I love tank Dell, right? Like I love what I see on tape from him. I love all the people in the scouting community that I, I know and respect their opinions are very high on tank Dell and they were last year on Calvin Austin too. So I liked what I saw from Calvin Austin on film last year. I 
all the people that I like and respect in the scouting community all had a really high opinion of Calvin Austin. After the combine last year, I was like, all right, lock it in. Calvin Austin's going to be a second round draft pick. And then what happens to Calvin Austin? He slips all the way into the fourth round and goes to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And he's just banished to the land of Matt Canada where he'll never be around. Uh, we'll never see or hear from him for the next four years until he gets mercy traded and has a, a second coming in the second half of his career. But so a guy like Nathaniel Dell, like part of me is like, man, this guy is so talented. He's going to be a second round pick, but maybe that's just not the reality. Maybe a guy like Nathaniel Dell literally could be in play for the Buffalo Bills, as you mentioned. We don't go in the receiver in the first round. We don't go receiver in the second round. Maybe Nathaniel Dell is a legitimate option for the Buffalo Bills in the third round, despite that like every instinct inside of me doesn't think he would be there on the board. Yeah, I think, I mean, he's another guy that would fit great right in the slot. Mm -hmm. um, but as you talked about too, you know, does he have that physicality um, to, to square up essentially? Um, I don't know. Um, it'll be very interesting mm -hmm. to see, like you said, body composition, composition, um, take a look, take a look at, um, what they could do where he could land, but ultimately, yeah, he's kind of a guy that I'm not particular. like anytime I do a mock draft or anytime I'm powering mm -hmm. my receivers or anything, I tend to usually stay away. Um, because usually I try to take a guy like downs, um, whether it's, you know, trading back out of the first round in the second round. Um, yeah. Or taking a guy later as, yeah. you know, Brandon Bean would usually take someone later. So, you know, if he did fall into the fourth round, I wouldn't be surprised if we took him. Um, but something like a second round receiver, I, I don't know. Um, we are mm. probably going to draft a running back based on our draft <laughs> history. Um, so, so yeah, we'll see. Mm. Um, but I personally, you know, if, if he can show me that size um, mm -hmm. and, you know, show me that physicality, I think I'd change my mind a little bit, but as of right now, I'm not, not much of a fan. Yeah. Uh, Jim Wickens comes in with a great comment. He says, most podcasters had a third round grade on Shakir and we got him in the fifth round last year. So that sort of goes to show you sometimes guys don't go where you expect them to go. Later on in the draft, there are some guys who are, are some pretty decent physical specimens. Andre, Yeshivas from Princeton, Elijah Higgins from Stanford had a lot of people intrigued, got a senior bowl invite, but then kind of underwhelmed at the senior bowl. But a combine is a place where a guy like Elijah Higgins could shine. You have um, uh, Puka Nakua is another guy, Jonathan Mingo, Rakeem Jarrett. There's a bunch of guys later on this draft who might test very well and elevate themselves. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social speakers in slot games on chumbacasino.com i looked over at the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing they were also playing chumba casino coincidence i think not everybody's loving having fun with it chumba casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere even at thirty thousand feet so sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus that's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus
if the bills decide to double dip at wide receiver, right? Like they decide they take one in the first or the second round and they decide, all right, fourth, fifth round, we're going to, we're going to double dip. We're going to go back to the well, who are maybe some sleepers that you're looking at in this combine as a guy we could, you know, double dip and, and we could, uh, um, we could go for. Yeah. So, um, going back to the digs trade in 2020, Mm -hmm. Um, we did get digs in the first round technically, and then we got Davis in the fourth round. So we have double dipped before Mm -hmm. wide receiver. Um, you know, we've also double dipped at edge before two first and second round. Um, so (laughs) they're, you know, being in company, they are, they are not afraid of double dipping. Um, and I think too, with Davis, his contract, um, his free agency being kind of uncertain right now, I wouldn't be surprised if they did double dip. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not something that I would, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Um, one guy that, you know, if you follow me on Twitter, um, you know that I'm a Puka Nakua fan. Um, <laughs> I, I really like not only the fact that, um, he took about a, a third of his snaps out of the slot. Um, but he kind of, he kind of makes every kind of catch. Um, Mm. you know, he will make those toe tap ones on the boundary. He'll make the ones over the middle in traffic. Um, and one of my favorite things too, is he also got involved in the run game a lot. Um, which is something when your offensive coaching staff, you know, they, they find the guys that, you know, can make it happen, can get around the edge and can run up field. Um, so just the fact alone that they're, Mm -hmm. that the coaching staff trusted Pukunaku and his talent at least for me, gives me a sense of confidence that he yeah. could be someone that contributes. Um, and he also has the flexibility of could be on the outside, could be on the inside, um, you know, runs reverses all the time. So yeah, he's someone that I really enjoy mm-hmm. watching. I think that that would be good. And you also mentioned Elijah Higgins too. Um, he could be someone that falls or, you know, slides up depending on the combine, but He's mm-hmm. another name that I also like, especially sometimes when there are two receivers coming out of the same school. Um, so like, you know, someone in the chat just might mention Michael Wilson. Yeah. Um, sometimes that first receiver overshadows the second one. Yeah. Um, and we get it. We'll get in running backs a little bit later. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I think that a lot of times, you know, they think, oh, OK, Stanford wide receiver. Oh, Stanford wide receiver again. You know, I, mm-hmm. that's not right. Um, unless if it's a you know, blow your mind talent. Yeah. So he could be someone that slips just because mm. of, you know, the name value there. So, and Michael Wilson is interesting too, because he had a big senior bowl. He hasn't played a lot over the last two seasons because of injuries. So we talked earlier in the show about how important certain aspects of Indy are. I think for Michael Wilson, the medical aspect of Indy is going to be the most important for him because he's a guy where if teams feel confident as medical, I wouldn't be surprised if Michael Wilson goes on day two. Um, some of the later round guys that I'm looking at, um, another slot guy at five foot nine, one seventy five, Trey Tucker out of Cincinnati is a guy that's really intriguing. Uh, you mentioned, you know, so Tyler Scott and Trey Tucker, Michael Wilson, Elijah Higgins. How about Josh Downs and Antoine Green? Antoine Green at six foot two, two oh seven, has an NFL body, and when he was at the NFL uh, PA Collegiate Bowl, like he was mossing dudes, and he was a grown man out there. And he looked like an NFL caliber player by all accounts for everyone who was there watching that game. They're like, this guy is just different from everyone else who is here. So at six foot two, two Oh seven, maybe get him into a pro system, get him some pro coaching a guy like Antoine green later on in the draft. 
And then there are a couple of other interesting names. Jason Brownlee uh, from Southern Miss at six foot three, one ninety two. Michael Jefferson from Louisiana at six foot three, one ninety five. They stick out. And then Jacob Copeland at six foot two oh two, Florida transfer to Maryland. He's another guy who could have a good one. And then I've always been a fan of Jake Bobo. He kind of reminds me of Jake Kumaro, believe it or not. So I think a guy like Jake Bobo in like the sixth round could be intriguing to a team like the Buffalo Bills, sort of a big slot. So that'll be really interesting. All right, let's shift our focus now here to the offensive line, and let's start with offensive tackle. This week is huge for these offensive tackles. We see a lot of risers and a lot of fallers based on testing and based on medicals at the combine for the offensive tackle position. Orlando Brown Jr. sort of sticks out the most as a guy who like absolutely tanked his stock at the NFL combine. Now he's a perennial all pro and you know, he was a big trade to the Kansas city chiefs. And now he's a big time free agent this year and all things ended well for Orlando Brown jr. But didn't start off that way as he slipped to the third round because of his just awful combine. So looking at the Buffalo bills roster, Spencer Brown registered six and a half pressures allowed per PFF last season among all offensive linemen with 14 games played, that was ranked 103rd out of 113 players. So the Buffalo Bills could legitimately be looking to move on from Spencer Brown. And there's not a lot of options in free agency unless you're willing to spend big money, which the Bills don't have. And you're not going to find a replacement for Spencer Brown in the third or the fourth round. You know what you're finding in the third or the fourth round? Projects like Spencer Brown. So the Buffalo Bills would legitimately have to utilize probably a first or an, a, a trade up in the second to get a guy to seriously compete with Spencer Brown. What are your thoughts on the Buffalo Bills looking to replace Spencer Brown? Is it a good idea or is it too soon? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of exactly what you just said. You know, we're going to have to use a first or, you know, a mid to early second mm -hmm. on a guy who could come in and beat Brown out right away. Um, and just because of that, I don't think that they will try to replace starting right tackle. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I think a lot of people in Bills Mafia – um, you know, they might see that stat and think that, you know, Brown's one of the worst tackles in the league. Um, I can promise you there are some things that might skew that number. So, for example, Allen did hold on to the ball very long this year. Um, he held up his average throw um, or average time to throw was 2.94 seconds, um, which was 15th longest. So it was right mm -hmm. around the middle of the league. Um, but when you're holding on the ball that long, that's that can almost generate more pressures than are necessary. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not saying that Brown, you know, is one of the best tackles. I'm not saying that. Um, but there are some things where getting rid of the ball quicker can lessen your pressures just by default. So mm -hmm. just looking at some of the other quarterbacks in the league, um, Burrow averages he averaged 2.54 seconds. Tua, 2.53 seconds. Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence, 2.52 seconds. So all these guys are almost half a second faster. Um, and something to mention, too, was when Allen got hurt uh, bef before, so weeks one through nine, it was he was averaging for his time to throw was 2.77, um, which is a little closer to uh, some of those other, you know, Burrow, uh, Tua type guys, but then after he got hurt, he held on to the ball at 3.08. So almost half a second longer, just because 
I don't think he had that confidence in his arm yet, which mm-hmm. obviously, like I said, it brings on a lot of pressures that are, are, are unnecessary. Um, so I'm not, I'm not advocating for um, rolling with Spencer Brown, um, but I don't think we have the draft capital, maybe unless, you know, mm-hmm. a trade happens with, you know, we at the mock draft yesterday, something with Ed Oliver came up, um, you know, if, if we're able to add maybe a, a third round pick or a fourth round pick, and then use that pick to trade up, mm-hmm. I think that that's something that they could do. Um, but just based on where we fall in the draft, um, I don't think that they will try to replace him. Uh, but like I said, that in a yeah. perfect world, I think we'd try to get better at every position, which would probably mean drafting a day mm-hmm. one a tackle or possibly early day two. Yeah, and this is something too that we like keep an eye out in Indy. Like, who are the Buffalo Bills talking to now? Sometimes where there's smoke, there's fire, and sometimes where there's smoke, there there's no fire. Like last year, the Buffalo Bills talked to every safety under the sun and every tight end of the sun didn't draft a, a safety or a tight end. But this year, like if they show up to Indy and the Buffalo Bills have met with Anton Harrison, the Buffalo Bills have met with Darnell Wright, the Buffalo Bills have met with Dewan Jones. If you start reading headlines like that from the people who are on the ground there reporting who the Buffalo Bills are talking to. Well, now there's maybe some smoke that the Buffalo Bills are interested in those guys who will be available. Now, Anton Harrison, Darnell Wright, Dewan Jones, those are the three guys that come to mind as late one, early two type of guys. Guys that the Bills will either have to take at 27 or probably trade up for from 59. To me, that is, you know, maybe one of them falls to 59. I I don't think so, but that's just my intuition. Maybe some things change in Indy. Maybe Dewan Jones goes out there and tests like Orlando Brown Jr. Um, but those are the three names that come to my, mind to me as like guys who I'm going to be looking at in Indy, guys who are immediate starters. Everyone else after that is sort of like a projection piece in terms of like the break, the break feelings of the world and the Tyler Steens of the world. So what are your thoughts on those three as immediate day one impact guys? And am I missing any immediate day one impact guy uh, on that list of those three guys that I have there? Yeah, I would say, honestly, you, you know, I think those three are really the only three that could come in and make Mm -hmm. a, um, a day one impact at, you know, at, at right tackle. Um, and that's, I think part of the reason why I could see none of them getting to 59, just because tackle is a premium position. Um, mm-hmm. and I don't think that, you know, there are a lot of teams that would probably are rebuilding and they think, oh, you know, we could use an offensive lineman. And, um, yeah, I, I just think that that one of those three guys is not going to make it to 59 um, because they are all, mm-hmm. you know, starters right away. So, so yeah, it's, that's, that's part of the reason why I don't think they will replace Brown just because mm-hmm. we would have to use a first round pick on them. Um, and yeah, I, I just don't know if yeah. we will or not. So yeah. Dan kid kicks on get Dan can kick comes up with a great comment. He says we can survive with one speak, weak spot on the line. We can't survive with two or three. That's the Kansas city chiefs. I mean, Andrew Wiley wasn't a good right tackle, but they survived because the other four guys on that Kansas city off the line were very good. So maybe Brandon Bean is like, all right, well, I got to go address Roger Saffold. I got to go get a really good, like go out and sign a Ben powers, go out and draft no Cyrus Torrance. Like I got to do that, fix the interior. And then Spencer Brown will come along and Connor C with a great comment as well. Brandon Bean did say at his end of the year press conference, like, listen, you know, Spencer Brown started behind the eight ball. 
He had his back surgery. He didn't perform well. I'm not making excuses, but et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. He didn't want to make excuses, but was making excuses for, for Spencer Brown in his end of the year press conference. So I don't know. Part of me is like the Buffalo Bills see Spencer Brown like politically as this big, huge weakness that they have to fix. Or part of me thinks that like they're they're just fine. Maybe they'll just sign like a George Font or a Cameron Fleming in free agency and just call it a day, knowing they have a little bit of insurance behind him that's better than David Questenberry. But looking at the rest of these tackles, um, who are some mid-rounder guys who might be on your radar? Um, I, I know I have a couple of guys that I'm going to be interested in seeing. Uh, what about you? Uh, what are some mid-round guys that intrigue you? Yeah, I would say, um, I mean, you mentioned one of them earlier, uh, Blake Freeland uh, mm-hmm. from BYU. You know, he's one guy that played a lot of snaps at BYU. Um, he also is 6'8", um, so mm-hmm. he kind of, you know, a very large human. Um, I I think that he also had one of the best PFF grades of any offensive tackle. I think he was third highest um, mm-hmm. among players with 100 more snaps. Um, and he, like I said, he played a lot of snaps. So I, I think that that's one guy that we could, um, lean on, um, in the later rounds to develop. I don't Mm -hmm. think, like you said, I don't think he could be a day one starter, um, unless if something happened with Brown in the off season and we had to throw him in. Um, but yeah, I do, I do like Freeland. Um, I, I would like for him to fall. And then obviously I, um, I know a lot of people like Cody Mouch, um, you know, he's one of the guys where, mm-hmm. you know, when you see no teeth and the long hair, you know, that he plays football. Um, <laughs> and yeah, he played over 2,300 snaps at left tackle. Um, and not, not much at right tackle, but maybe that's something where we, you know, bring him in and develop him to play the right side. And then he can play either tackle when someone goes down yeah. and that's someone that I like in the middle rounds as well. So. Yeah, Claude Puy comes in. He says he likes Freeland. And and Freeland, to me, kind of reminds me a little bit of Spencer Brown, right? Like a lot of athletic upside, but is rough around the edges. That's why a guy that sticks out to me, and there's a lot of question marks around this guy, is Carter Warren. Like I think Carter Warren out of Pitt, um, you know, showed on tape that he's a very good pass blocker. He's got good length. He's got good size. He's got good technique. Like Carter Warren, believe it or not, I think could be a guy that you could draft in the middle rounds and could like legitimately start in the national football league from day one, but there are some issues with Carter Warren. There are some red flags with Carter Warren, some things that need to be addressed at the combine. Number one, he's 25 years old, which will probably jump, drop him into day four or excuse me, day three. And number two, he um, is recovering from an undisclosed injury. We do not know what happened to him at Pitt this year. After the fourth game, he was out for the remainder of the year. So there are questions about his health and there are questions about his age. So a guy like Carter Warren has a lot of questions to answer at the combine. And that sort of brings us to the last portion of uh, our, our talk here for offensive tackles. And that is Aaron Cromer really has a type, whether it's guys like David Edwards or whether it's guys like Roger Saffold, college tackles who you kick into guard in the pros, guys who have a certain archetype. There are a ton of guys who sort of fit the bill of some of the Buffalo Bills could draft as a tackle, but they kick inside to guard. We drafted one last night on our mock draft with Greg Tomset, Kevin Masseri. We drafted Matthew Bergeron out of Syracuse. There's Tyler Steen out of Alabama. There is Asim Richards out of North Carolina. There is Nick uh, Saldaveri out of Old Dominion. There's Nick Broker out of Old Miss. Wanya Morris out of Oklahoma. 
So there are a number, Jackson Kirkland out of Washington, there are a number, and I think he actually kicked into guard this year for UW, but there are a number of guys who, college tackles, NFL guards, that could be in play for the Buffalo Bills, and those are just some names for Bills fans to sort of keep a lookout for as they're watching the combine coverage this weekend. Of any of those guys, you know, who sticks out to you the most? Yeah, I think Matthew Bergeron, um, you know, I was mm-hmm. – I was yelling for him in the mock draft last night when I was watching it. Um, <laughs> I I think that, you know, he could. And the thing that, you know, Aaron, as you were talking about, Aaron Cromer loves sliding these guys inside. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that one thing that's pretty beneficial about that too, is that, you know, if something happens, they could play tackle because yeah. they have so much experience to fall back on. So, um, so yeah, I think Matthew Bergeron, um, you know, he's going to be probably middle rounds. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we'll see how he tests too. Maybe he could, you know, creep up or slide down. We're not sure. Um, but I, I think that he would be a great grab right in the third round, I'd say. Yeah. Switching uh, now to interior offensive line. Cause Claude Puy came in and said, Hey, don't forget about Cody Mock. I, I didn't really consider Cody Mock a tackle anymore. Cause I, I think most NFL already project him sort of as a guard. Right. So I think he's going to Indianapolis as a guard. I don't think many people have their eyes on him as a tackle. So we're going to talk about him now as we switch over to guard. This is another position this week where it's huge. Uh, last year, Cam Jurgens, like I called my shot last year after the combine. I was like, Cam Jurgens is going to go in the second round. And Cam Jurgens, sure enough, went in the second round to the Philadelphia Eagles. Luke Fortner is another guy last year who really moved up and improved his draft stock because of how he performed in Indianapolis. Now, these were good players who had really good tape. But then when their athletic testing numbers came in, it elevated them even more. So who are some some early round guards that you have on your radar? Because, I mean, quite frankly, there are a ton of interior offensive linemen early on in this draft that have my attention. Um, and as the draft starts to progress, that attention slowly goes away uh, for most of these guys later on. But uh, what are some of the guys that you like? Uh, and you're going to be looking out for in Indianapolis. Yeah, I think um, first guy I think of, Steve Avila uh, mm. from TCU. Uh, he's a guy that I think, um, you know, he, I think he could come in right away, could definitely start, um, you know, don't have to play any more games at guard. Um, I think that that's something that um, taking a guard in the second round is probably what I would desire most. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, and even, you know, we were talking about Bergeron too. That's a guy that I think that can slide in and play guard. Um, mm-hmm. he's probably going to be a mid to early round. Um, you know, and I, a lot of bills have talked about Osiris Torrance. Um, that's a guy that I think, um, just because he is in that top tier of the guards, mm-hmm. I think that he could get overdrafted, um, just based on, you know, it's not like there are four or five guards um, that are all on that tier and that some of the some of the latter guys in those tier that tier fall down um, just because he is that one first round guard or maybe mm. early second round guard. Um, I just don't think we'll have a chance at him um, if he could somehow slide in the second round, you know, down to 59. That'd be great. I don't think it's possible. Um, so that's kind of where I see it, but yeah, Steve Avila is my main, my main early guy. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at some of those names. Steve Avila pops out the most to me. I mean, even he could play like right tackle too, like in a pinch. Like he's got some left guard, right guard versatility. Looking at some of the guys like John Michael Schmitz, I think is a guy who worked his way into first round consideration at the Senior Bowl and could seal it with some good testing numbers in Indianapolis. So John Michael Schmitz comes in and has some really good testing numbers. I think he can cement himself as a first rounder or an early second rounder. Joe Tipman from Wisconsin, who is built very much in the Mitch Morse mold and was on Bruce Feldman's preseason college football freak list. He is a guy uh, to really keep an eye on. And, and Joe Tipman is a guy who, you know, we don't really talk about him. We talk about the Luke Whipplers of the world. We talk about the John Michael Schmitzes of the world. Joe Tipman could be like an upset pick to be the first center drafted. Now, is it going to be John Michael Schmitz? Probably. But Joe Tipman is a guy who really could, with a good workout in Indy, intrigue a lot of people and work his way into like the top part of the second round. Like that wouldn't shock me in the world in the least bit. Osiris Torrance is going to be interesting. I want to see the bills talk to Osiris Torrance because as Dan kid kit says, Osiris Torrance is not the type of guard the bills like, but you got to wonder why they can't run the ball also. <laughs> and that's why like if the Buffalo bills meet with Osiris Torrance, I will have hope. I will probably have um, like irrational hope, but I will have hope that the Buffalo bills are legitimately considering him. And his weight is something to look at too. Cause I mean, he was 350 playing weight at Florida. He was 338 at the senior bowl. What does he clock in at now? If he's back towards 350, what does that say about sort of his off season program and what he's doing? So the weight I think will be really important for Cyrus Torrance. Andrew Voorhees is a guy who is being slept on in a lot of mock draft simulators. And I think Andrew Voorhees is a plug and play guard like from day one. And I think he's going to go sometime on day two, but a lot of people have convinced themselves that Andrew Voorhees is a day three prospect because of these mock draft simulators and places like PFF that aren't as big of a fan as Voorhees as I think NFL general managers are. So Voorhees will be interesting. Luke Whipler will be interesting. Like these are all guys who I look at and I think to myself, like these could be the Cam Jurgens, these could be the Luke Fortners, these could be the Landon Dickersons of the world. Like these guys, the last couple of years, who came to Indy and solidified themselves as a day two pick. Um, and I didn't even throw in some some um, Emil Ikiwar from Alabama as well. So there are just a ton of guys to keep an eye on when it comes to the combine. Is there any later round guys? Maybe if the Buffalo Bills want to double dip at guard. Or if the Buffalo Bills don't take a guard early because they signed somebody in free agency, but they want to draft a depth guy. Who are some guys later that were invited to Indy? Because when you're done speaking, I have a bone to pick with whoever chooses the combine invitees because there are two guys who I don't understand how they didn't get an invite, but we're going to get to that in a moment. Yeah, I think um, honestly, part of my draft strategy is that I would honestly want to double dip and take one in the second and one in the fourth. Mm -hmm. Just because, like you said, there are so many guys that you think that could step up and play right away. You know, we could draft two starting guards or even our future starting center and our starting guard for the future um, just in those front four rounds and, you know, kind of ride it out. But, um, you know, based on some of the guys that um, that are there in later rounds, I think Jarrett Patterson from Notre Dame um, mm -hmm. is one guy that I like. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm very in love with some of the earlier guys. Um, so that's kind of where I'm putting my focus, but yeah, I, I'd say one name that I like is, um, Jarrett Patterson. So. Yeah. 
Another name Eric Turner really likes this guy. Jake Andrews from Troy is another guy to possibly consider kicking inside. We've already mentioned Nick Broker as a guy to maybe take a look at. Alex Forsyth from Oregon could be interesting. I think he's going to end up being a later round guy. I, I, I've always loved Connor Galvin from Baylor. I think he's too much of a project to tackle for the Buffalo Bills. We've already got Tommy Doyle. I don't think we need another one, but Connor Galvin's a really fun one. Um, people will fall in love with from Baylor. Um, looking through this list of some other guys, Jackson Kirkland, keep an eye on him as a depth guy. Jordan McFadden from Clemson. We've already mentioned Wanya Morris. You mentioned Jared Patterson, Asim Richardson, Nick Saldaveri, um, Juice Scruggs from Penn State, Grant Gibson from NC State. Oh, Grant Gibson didn't even get an invite. So uh, Juice Scruggs um, is an interesting one from Penn State as well. So sort of a smaller guy with some shorter arms, but a lot of interesting. And and, and I got a bone to pick with, with the NFL Combine. Like they're inviting all of these dudes and they couldn't find a place for Chandler DeZavala and they couldn't find a place of Chandler Zavala out of NC State and Antonio Maffi from UCLA. I, I I don't understand that. Like massive disrespect to those two guys who I think are legitimate borderline like day like early day three prospects. Like I think Antonio Maffi and Chandler Zavala out of NC State and UCLA respectfully, uh, I think they're fourth fifth round caliber football players, guys who could probably get into a lineup. Early on in the National Football League, I'm not saying as rookies, maybe halfway through their rookie year or into their second year, or if a guy gets injured, I really like Mafi. I really like, um, I really like Chandler Zavala, and the guy next to Chandler Zavala at NC State, Grant Gibson, I've always loved as well. And I just realized he didn't get a combine invite. So there have been a few combine snubs, and we'll get to a couple more as we go along. But those three uh, just stick out to me, and I, that was a little confusing. But uh, anyway. On now to uh, a position where you're going to have someone you're super familiar with in Sidney Brown. We're going to move on to safety here. And this class sort of appears to be loaded really on, on day two. And then it sort of drops off a cliff as the draft progresses at safety. So if the Bills want to draft a safety, somebody to plug and play for Jordan Poyer or somebody to sit behind like a veteran that they sign in free agency, they're probably going to have to address safety sometimes round one through three maybe if some guys slip rounds one through four do you agree with that sentiment or are there maybe some guys later on this draft that the buffalo bills could salvage um because it's not exactly like micah hyde and, and jordan Poyer were blue chippers damar hamlin either right yeah no i think um just based on their history too there are a lot of guys mm -hmm. that they do take in later rounds and they do end up hitting on them too so in even you know in free agency finding some of these you know Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde weren't necessarily mm -hmm. guys that were heavily sought out in free agency. So um, that's actually one of the positions that Brain and Bean and Company are very good at drafting, very good at yep. assessing. And um, so, you know, I think I do agree with the fact that, the, you know, the best safe, there are a lot of the cluster mm -hmm. of the very good safeties are in the beginning of the draft. Um, then it kind of falls off a cliff. But yeah. um, I do trust the fact that Brandon Bean does find those guys that not everyone else can see. Um, mm. But yeah, I would say there are probably four to five safeties that would fall, you know, in the first 90 picks, I'd say, um, yeah. which is a lot for a position that's not considered a premium position. Um, but as, you know, as we're moving towards a, um, as an, as a defense that's so mm -hmm. old, 
at the safety position, um, as well as, you know, DeMar Hamlin, uncertain about his future as well. Um, You know, it'll be very interesting to see um, who maybe we could get in round three. Yeah. And that's a conversation I sort of wanted to have with you because Dan Kick comes in and says, Brian Branch is going way too early in mocks, but he's a stud. I agree. If Brian Branch is there at pick 27, um, he's definitely one where, depending on who else is on the board, like is very, very high on the list. Antonio Johnson, sort of a fringe first rounder. So he's somebody that I think you have to consider on the board at 27, depending on how we address safety and free agency. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And then there's those other guys that sort of come after. Now, there are some guys that I'm like not the highest on in the world. I'm not the highest on uh, Jordan Battle. I'm not the highest on Brandon Joseph. So those are some guys that like I'm going to be paying attention to in Indy. I'm going to be listening to what the likes of Daniel Jeremiah have to say about those guys because I'm not 100% sold on guys like them yet. But I look at some of the other guys who could possibly be the first couple of safeties drafted after the big two. Sidney Brown from Illinois. Jamie Robinson from Florida state, Christopher Smith from Georgia. I think most people know that Christopher Smith and Jamie Robinson, like they're my dudes. They're my two favorite safeties in this class. I would love to add either of them. I think they could plug and play in a Leslie Frazier defense. That being said, Christopher Smith and Jamie Robinson aren't exactly underwear Olympic studs or stars. So you have a familiarity with Sidney Brown. And I think Sidney Brown is a guy who could test his way into the top half of the second round. And possibly, hopefully for the Bills' sake, guys like Christopher Smith and Jamie Robinson could be so average that they slide into the back half of round three for the Buffalo Bills, and that would be an absolute steal. But talk about Sidney Brown, because you're a University of Illinois guy. You work at the University of Illinois. You have a, a real familiarity with him. Yeah, no, I've, I was a video manager for the football team for the past four years. Um, so I watch Sidney Brown every day at practice and I can tell you, you know, there's not a guy in the defense that was working harder. Um, very, very aggressive, um, Mm -hmm. very hard hitting can, you know, he had one of the best man grades of any, of any safety, um, Mm -hmm. PFF man grade that is, um, you know, plays in the box can play single high. Um, he's a guy that I think, you know, I think he, I think he can test himself, as you said, into the first half mm-hmm. of the second round, um, because he is one of those guys where he is going to blow everybody out of the water um, in terms of athletic ability. Him and his brother, too, Chase Brown, um, mm-hmm. they're both extremely, uh, extremely athletic. And one thing too um, that you know the Bills, as we talked about, interviews are some of the most important parts of combine week. Mm-hmm. Um, Sidney Brown is going to be a great interview. Um, very high character guy. Um, he is going to be a guy that's impressing a lot of teams coming out of this week. And as you said, um, for any fans of uh, 
Christopher Smith. He's he's one guy that can you know push push him back, um, mm-hmm. and he can kind of leapfrog him and end up getting drafted in front of him. But he's a guy I love the Bills to draft. Um, but I do think safety is a bigger need um, in some of these first in these early rounds. And we got Dan K. Kate coming in saying put 20 pounds on JL Skinner and that's Edmonds replacement. I don't know if you saw this or not, Dan, but uh, JL Skinner, um, I can't, I'm blanking on the injury, but JL Skinner will not be participating in the combine. He'll be there for interviews only. Uh, he hurt himself. I think he might've torn a peck um, or did something of that nature while working out and training for the combine. So that's unfortunate for JL Skinner, but he will not be working out. Here's a guy as Chris Collinsworth would say, here's a guy who could test really well. He was on Bruce Feldman's freak list. Heading into the season, that's Penn State's Jair Brown. He's another one where, as he moves up because of testing numbers, maybe one of those average but more instinctual safeties moves back in the draft. So Jair Brown is an interesting one. Do you have any familiarity with Jair Brown? Yeah, I'd say um, you know a lot of these Big Ten guys are expected to hit really hard. You know, it's it's a lot of linemen with, or it's a lot. It's a big league um, mm-hmm. with a lot of hard hitting guys and. Um, especially with so many really good running backs in this league, you know, you are expected to tackle as a, as a defensive mm-hmm. back. Um, and so it's, you know, you're not, not playing ranking dink football, <laughs> you know, this is big mm-hmm. 10 football. And, you know, if you can't tackle, you can't stay on the field. And the fact Jair Brown's done so well in his career, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure that he can step in um, and do well for the bills. Yeah, looking over some of the other safeties on the list, um, you know, a couple of guys that I like didn't even get invited. Again, Christian Young from Arizona didn't get invited. He was on Bruce Feldman's freak list. He's a guy who could be an option for the Buffalo Bills late. But looking through, uh, Trey Dean from Florida, um, he had a really good East-West Shrine game. He's somebody to keep an eye on over the course of the weekend. DeMarco Hellams from Alabama is a guy to keep an eye on. Um, Ronnie Hickman Jr. from Ohio State is a guy to keep an eye on. Brandon Hill from Pittsburgh is a guy to keep an eye on um, looking through here. One of my favorite guys in this draft, Kayvon Merriweather out of Iowa. Um, I think he's, he could be a, a, I honestly think you could get Kayvon Merriweather. Like he's going PFF, like in the sixth, seventh round. I think Kayvon Merriweather goes somewhere in the fourth, fifth round to a, a team that's smart and understands the value of smart, heady safeties, even if they're not the most athletically gifted guys in the world. And who knows, maybe Kayvon comes out and tests really well. And if Kayvon comes out and tests really well um, and surprises some people, he could elevate his draft stock even into like the beginning of day three. Kayvon Merriweather is a smart, instinctual safety that I really like. Um, And then another name that I wanted to throw out there, uh, Rashard Torrance is another one as well to keep an eye on. A name I wanted to throw out there, he's not a safety, but... He is a cornerback who's been accused of having some stiff hips. And this is a guy who's going to blow up um, the combine because he was a five-star recruit coming out of college. He had an interception, a pick six in the national championship game a few years ago. Keely Ringo is a guy who is going to come out and just blow people away in the 40. He's going to be the souped up, this freak athlete. But people are going to look at the Christian Gonzalez's of the world, the Joey Porter Jr.'s of the world, the Devin Witherspoon's of the world. And Keely's stock is going to drop. And people are going to accuse him of maybe being a little stiff hip. Keely Ringo is a guy who could transition to safety. Like if he's on the board at 27 and on the Buffalo bills, like his closing speed, his instincts, um, I'm considering taking Keely Ringo and transitioning him to safety. If he's on the board at 27. Yeah. 
as you said, there are some people that accuse me of uh, stiff hips. I'm one of those people. Um, so, so yeah, I, I personally, I wouldn't take that shot at 27. Um, you know, there are a couple other guys that I think, um, you know, I mean, we've talked about them a bunch, but um, yeah, mm. Keely Ringo, um, you know, maybe, maybe it's safety plays a whole different game. Um, but that's just something that watching yeah. his film, um, I necessarily wasn't a big fan of, but you know, players that do make, big plays and big games, um, you know, they stick mm -hmm. out. You remember them. And not only that, but, you know, they're made for the big moment, which is what we need Bill's yep. players to be. So, And again, it's a, it's a major projection on my part. It's not something that Keely Ringo has ever done before, but I know it's a couple of, a couple of people in the draft community have sort of uh, speculated and put that out there into existence that he could be someone who transitions to safety. And Keely Ringo sort of lines up with, a lot of Brandon Bean's draft picks, right? Like Ed Oliver, five-star, like big-time recruit coming out of high school, like a big-time guy. Gregor Rousseau, big-time recruit coming out of high school. All the physical attributes in the world. Um, so I, I feel like Keely Ringo sort of falls into that mold of some of the athletes that Brandon Bean is. He likes them young, and he likes them athletic in the first round. He's shown that over the course of the years with Edmonds, with Oliver, with Rousseau, and if Keely Ringo sitting on the board at 27, that, that, that wouldn't shock me if the Buffalo bills maybe consider pulling the trigger and, and, and making that move for him. But let's switch our focus now to linebacker. Obviously if Tremaine Edmonds walks, we're going to need a new starting middle linebacker. Unless you have a vastly different opinion than me, there really are no first round linebackers in this group. But again, day two, this group is semi loaded. I mean, it's going to be a lot of jockeying for these guys in Indy, much like those day two safeties that we just talked about who sticks out to you the most um, as like a potential day two plug and play guy. Who are some of the linebackers that are going to have your eye and your attention in Indianapolis? Yeah, I think biggest guy for me, Jack Campbell, mm -hmm. um, you know, he's, he won the Dick Buckus uh, linebacker year of the year award. Uh, which means, you know, he was voted to be the best linebacker in the country. That's something right off the top of the bat. I really like, um, six, five, two forty-five, um, mm -hmm. huge, obviously Tremaine Edmonds is also huge too. Um, and lastly, I think he flies all over the field, very hard hitting. Um, I mean, that's something we need a middle linebacker. Um, and you know, when you're the best linebacker in the entire country, I think that says something. Mm -hmm. I think that's, um, I think some people sleep on some of those college wards. Um, but yeah, and, you know, there, there are some questions obviously. Um, but you know, mm -hmm. I think based on, on what he produced in college, I think he can deliver. Um, you know, as you said, there aren't any first round linebackers. There aren't any sure thing linebackers. Um, so you know, there has to be some development there. Um, so there mm -hmm. might be some growing pains, but I think Jack Campbell's, you know, probably my favorite guy. Um, yeah. and then maybe Trenton Simpson too, um, mm -hmm. from Clemson. He's another guy that, um, very good at coverage, um, which is something that Tremaine Edmonds struggled at, at a lot up until this year. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, getting, focusing on a coverage guy would be nice, but, I think that the way we use our defensive tackles um, and, you know, we need somebody yeah. that 
runs right in there and gets a hit. So I think Jack Campbell yeah. is somebody that I I would enjoy. Yeah, Jack Campbell is uh, Jack Campbell is is my I think linebacker, middle linebacker number one. It'll be really interesting to see how he stacks up against guys who are probably going to test better than him in guys like Trenton Simpson, guys like Drew Sanders, um, and you know Trenton Simpson is interesting, right? Because like struggles to deconstruct blocks, maybe gives maybe takes a little bit away in the running game, but yeah, for a guy you know his size in Trenton Simpson, six foot three, two thirty a lot of range, really good in coverage, um, you know, an explosive, you know, striker, a guy, a guy who hits really hard. So Trenton Simpson is a guy who could come in and, you know, him and Jack Campbell could really be jockeying for linebacker. Number one, Drew Sanders could be jockeying for linebacker. Number one. And then let's not forget a guy, another guy who was like a consensus top recruit coming out of high school, Noah Sewell from Oregon. Now he's a guy who's I think really interesting and who I'm going to have my eye on because, you know, he's sort of like that Dante Hightower type of linebacker, right? Like six foot three, 250 pounds. People are going to, you know, accuse him of maybe having some poor instincts, lack some range, um, maybe not be able to do things in coverage. So if a guy like Noah Sewell can show that he's got some good agility, he can, you know, show that he's good on the whiteboard. He could show you those good instincts. I think a guy like Noah Sewell could still maybe be in play, but he's also one I could see slipping and then a guy that everyone seems to be falling in love with lately is Dayon Henley from Washington State. This guy was a wide receiver at Nevada, transferred to Washington State. He's gotten himself up to 62 232 pounds and you know, a got a draft evaluator that I really trust, Brett Coleman, was like, "Listen, I don't I don't I'm not comparing him to Fred Warner, but I see a lot of things that Dayon Henley can do in coverage that a guy like Fred Warner can do in coverage." So Dayon Henley is a guy who it would not shock me if he was able to convince people in Indy to make him the number one linebacker off the board. So between Sewell and Campbell and Henley and Simpson and Sanders, it could get interesting. Henry 2020, he's more of a Matt Milano type. I don't think really he's in play for the Buffalo Bills. If say the Buffalo Bills do bring Tremaine Emmons back, right? Like who are some other linebackers that could be intriguing for the Buffalo Bills, maybe in the later rounds. I know Dorian Williams from Tulane is a really interesting name. He's been rising up boards, but maybe speak on him or speak on anyone else you think could be an interesting uh, guy to keep an eye out for. Yeah, I was going to say Dorian Williams, um, but mm-hmm. another guy I think um, that I don't think he necessarily fits the Tremaine Edmonds role, mm-hmm. um, but I think someone like Ivan Pace Jr., just the way that he rushes the passer, I think that um, – you know, that's a guy that if we could scheme it right, he could be a huge piece. Um, I think last night on the mock, um, I think it was pro and he was calling him baby Micah Parsons. Uh, mm-hmm. So if you have, if that gives you an idea of what type of athlete he is, how aggressive he is rushing the passer, um, that's guy that really interests me. Um, yeah. And also Dory Williams too. Um, he's also creeping up my board. Um, as I've watched more tape, but yeah, some of these smaller, smaller school guys, um, you know, they're not on the national championship winning team. Um, so, Mm -hmm. so they, as you know, the combine is a great way for some of these smaller school guys to start flying up boards. So I wouldn't be surprised if he's another guy that really impresses and maybe, Mm -hmm. you know, even moves up a full round. 
Yeah, looking at some of the other names here, um, Nick Herbig from Wisconsin. Don't think he'll be on the Bills board. He's an edge rusher at Wisconsin at 220 who's going to have to transition to off-ball linebacker. But I know Mike Renner, who's a talent evaluator that I really trust from PFF, very high on Nick Herbig and his ability to transition from an edge rusher, an undersigned edge rusher at Wisconsin to an off-ball linebacker. Um, some other guys, Cam Jones from Indiana was a favorite of a lot of guys from cover one at the Senior Bowl. Keep an eye out for him. Isaiah Moore from NC State absolutely blew up the senior bowl. Like the rumor is, is that the New England Patriots are absolutely infatuated with Isaiah Moore and what they saw out of Isaiah Moore. PFF is really big on Isaiah Moore as well. So he's somebody to keep an eye out for at the combine. He's undersized. I think he's only like five foot 11. So that's someone to keep an eye on. Owen, um, I don't even know how to pronounce his name, but like uh, Papo from Auburn. He was on Bruce Feldman's freak list. And this is a guy who he's six foot one, 225 pounds. So he's an undersized middle linebacker, struggles to deconstruct and do some things in run defense. But he is a really instinctual, athletic, rangy coverage linebacker. Um, And, you know, he benched a lot and he, uh, did a lot of, he was a workout warrior in Auburn. So he's going to test really well. And at six foot one, two twenty five, you know, he clocked a four, three last summer. You know, he ran a four, three forty. So he's a guy who could rise up draft boards over the course of the next week or so. Um, you know, if he really pops off and has some good testing numbers, people will go back and look at his tape and maybe see some things. And the Buffalo bills also visited with D winters at the senior bowl too. So he's another name just to keep an eye out for. All right. Speaking of edge rushers, you know, you talked about Ivan Pace a little bit there, uh, baby Michael Parsons. The Buffalo Bills might have to consider an edge rusher in this draft. There are questions around Vaughn Miller's status coming off the second ACL tear to the same knee. There are round one guys who could be available when the Buffalo Bills pick. Guys like Derek Hall, guys like Nolan Smith, guys like Will McDonald. What are your thoughts on using that kind of capital on an edge rusher? Could there be somebody in Indy who shows out enough to convince the Buffalo Bills to go edge rusher at 27 overall? You know, I don't think it'll be very hard to convince him to go edge rusher at 27. <laughs> um, yeah, but that's something where I would be very frustrated. Um, I know that, you know, you know, Von Miller went down and our pass rush wasn't the same. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we already invested in Greg Rousseau. How many edge defenders are you going to have on the field? Um, we still have Epineza. We still have Boogie Basham. Um, you know, we've invested two first round picks, two second round picks. Um, well, the first round pick also being at Oliver um, on the defensive line. Yeah, I'd be very frustrated. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if there is a guy mm-hmm. that um, wows people. You know, a lot of these edge rushers are uh, very athletic and very physically imposing and might even um, speak very well in the interviews. But, yeah, I would be very frustrated if they took a, took an edge in the first round. That's for sure. I'll tell you what, though, I'm rooting for all of these edge rushers to blow up Indy because the more edge rushers that blow up Indy, the more edge rushers that go before 27, the better prospect that could be possibly on the board for the Buffalo Bills at pick 27. I mean, you got Will Anderson, who's 
for the most part, not going to be working out. He's going to do a couple select drills. You got Miles Murphy, who was another guy who was on Bruce Feldman's freak list. He's going to blow up the combine. I think Miles Murphy is going to start to get into like some real like top 10 conversation. He's already there kind of, but like Miles Murphy is going to start to be talked about a lot more um, by a lot of people after the combine. Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech, Nolan Smith, Keon White, Luke Van Ness, Derek Hall. Uh, I am rooting hard for all of these guys. Will McDonald, uh, Ade Tomiwa, uh, Ade Bawari from Northwestern. I am Andre Carter from Army. I am their DJ Johnson from Oregon. I am their biggest fans this week because the better they perform, the more likely they're going to get drafted before 27, which drops a good prospect to the bills. The more likely they're going to get picked between picks 28 and uh, 58 and drop another good prospect to the Buffalo bills at 59. So I hope the Buffalo bills don't, I hope the bills just go out in free agency and go get Dante Fowler to rush the passer, go sign like a Jaleel Johnson to plug on the inside just like stop spending your money there. I know you need to because it's important, but like stop just for a year, hit the pause button. And uh, maybe a guy like um, Al Holcomb will come in. The Bills will get a little bit more efficient blitzing because Carolina blitzed a lot last year, whereas Buffalo, not so much. So maybe they'll get a little bit more efficient and bring some new layers to the blitzing game and the Buffalo Bills can concentrate their focus on some other positions. So if you are a, a fan watching the combine, you're rooting for these defensive ends, even if you've never heard of them, you're rooting for them because the better they do, uh, the better they do, the higher they get uh, drafted. All right. Uh, on to interior defensive line, which is a, it's a tricky one, right? At Oliver's future sort of in question Do the Buffalo Bills want to extend him do they, you know, want to pay him $10 million knowing that he's not going to be have an extension in hand? They want to let him play out on $10 million. Jordan Phillips is a UDFA. Tim Settle kind of, you know, sucked in his first year of his two-year deal. So do the Buffalo Bills go back to the well at interior defensive line? It might not be a position we're talking too much about now, but if Jordan Phillips doesn't come back and Ed Oliver gets traded, all of a sudden this is a position that is of excessive importance to the Buffalo Bills and one that they very well could use some pretty high draft capital on. This class has some names in the first two days, and they even have some intriguing late-round guys. If the Buffalo Bills do decide to address the interior defensive line, would you rather it be a one-tech behind Daquan Jones or a three-tech to go along with or replace Ed Oliver uh, next season? Yeah, I think a lot of it depends. I think a lot of it depends on who falls. Um, you know, I'm going to say that a lot. It sounds mm -hmm. like a cop out, but I think that, um, you know, you don't deal Oliver and then not take his replacement in the draft. Yeah. Um, and, and you don't deal Oliver if you know that there's going to be nobody there at that pick. So mm -hmm. um, I could see, you know, you know, we're getting in the second round and in the third round. And all of a sudden, hey, that guy, you know, Keanu Benton, that's the guy we want. Um, so then they go ahead and say, hey, you know, we're going to send you Oliver. They take that guy. Um, but, yeah, that's – it's tough. I, I mm -hmm. think that Daquan Jones, um, he's already getting paid $8 million average annual value. Um, you know, I, I'd rather roll with somebody that's going to go in and replace Oliver – 
Um, mm-hmm. I don't think they'll sign an extension uh, because I think they would have already signed one if they really mm-hmm. were going to. Um, now it's tough. Uh, he, you know, we don't really know his trade value. Um, mm-hmm. We don't know if it's a second round or a fourth round. Um, yeah, we'll see, we'll see exactly what happens. Yeah. But I would personally rather go to a three tech and try to replace Oliver. So. So this, this is where me and you sort of differ here because I'm team one tech. I'm team big fatty. And I would love to add, knowing what Daquan Jones provided this defense this year, I would love to have his replacement in place and a guy rotating behind him. So when Daquan Jones comes off the field, there's another Daquan Jones to take his place. And I wouldn't mind two Daquan Joneses on the field at once. And me and Greg Thompson were having this conversation yesterday. And there's a couple of one techs in this draft that are super interesting. Keanu Benton from Wisconsin is a name to keep an eye on. Maisie Smith from Michigan is a name to keep an eye on. And the last one um, is Siaki Ika from Baylor. He's a name to keep an eye on. Siaki Ika comes from the Dave Aranda uh, tree, played with Dave Aranda at Baylor. Dave Aranda is the one who famously gave Trey White the stamp of approval when he was the DC at LSU. He's probably the reason why we drafted Terrell Bernard. So Siaki Ika, it'll be interesting to see what he weighs in at, but at six foot five, 360 pounds. He's a one tech who has shown some, some past rushing ability. So Siaki Ika is a guy who's going to have a lot of people's attention at the combine. And I'm calling my shot right now with, and Keanu Benton's my favorite of all of them, by the way, which is the funny part, but I'm calling my shot now with Meiji Smith from Michigan, six foot three, 326 pounds. Again, he's more of that prototypical run stuffer. He's a top tier run defender, but he's got that pass rush upside and He's this guy who, like, once he gets into an NFL coaching staff and NFL coaches get their hands on him, he's someone who could really, I think, turn into something and be a one-tech body but can do three-tech things. Like, this guy, I think, Maisie Smith, I don't I don't want to put him in, like, a Jeffrey Simmons or a Chris Jones. I don't want to put him up there, but I think he's got a ceiling and a potential to be that type of player if everything clicks right, he, he ends up in the right scheme. He ends up with the right coach. He's got the right mindset, which is really why the interviews are so important. Maisie Smith, like number one on Bruce Feldman's freak list, go heading into the 2022 season. He is a guy who could take over Indy. He is a guy who I think could possibly sneak into the back end of round one or could go very, very high on day two. Maisie Smith to me is being slept on, I think, on this class. And Bills Are Electric comes in and says, the Bills reportedly went to a bunch of of Michigan games this year. So Maisie Smith could be somebody that the Buffalo Bills have an eye on. And I'm team Keanu Benton. I think Keanu Benton is very much in the Daquan Jones mold. Um, And I would love him at pick 59 if he's there. But Maisie Smith, I think, has just this ceiling that is super, super interesting. Are there any other defensive tackles? Maybe... Yeah, any other defensive tackles that have your eye? It could be a three-tech or a one-tech. Yeah, I think um, it's tough just because even even just think about drafting defensive tackle and, you know, you were talking about Mm Basie Smith and the upside and everything. Um, But we've spent so much capital on these early-round guys, and I don't know if we've gotten return on investment. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe we have on Ed Oliver. Um, Greg Russo still has – a couple of years to develop. He did, he did well while um, Von Miller was out, you know, stepping up. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I 
like I like we said about Edge, I wouldn't be surprised if they went ahead and said, "Oh, let's spend a first or second round guy on defensive line." Um, but I would be disappointed. Um, I hope that they end up, you know, trading Oliver and taking guy like Keanu Benton. Mm-hmm. Um, that would kind of be my dream scenario. Uh, but yeah, some some guys where you get really excited and think about the potential. Um, that's just something mm-hmm. where I think about some of the d- lack of development that's happened with this Bills coaching staff. Um, and I just don't know if I, if I trust him to do that with another project. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough really. It's, it has not been great in terms of sort of uh, the, the, the development there. Kalijah Kansi is a guy who I think is going to end up going somewhere on day two. He's an interesting three tech, but like again, Ed Oliver type of undersized at six foot two, 275. It'll be interesting to see what Kalijah Kansi weighs in at. Jervin Dexter from Florida is a big man, six foot five, 318. I, I, I get Jordan Phillips vibes from him because he's the kind of guy who's like a big body. He is sort of the size of a one tech, but does sort of three tech things like Jordan Phillips does. He's got some leverage issues. He's a name to keep an eye on. Zach Pickens really tore up the senior bowl. He's a three tech at six foot four, 305. He's a name people should keep their eye out for. Keandre Coburn, one tech, six foot two, 343 pounds. He's another guy. Keep your eye out when you're watching the combine for Keandre Coburn. Just listen to see what guys like Daniel Jeremiah have to say about him. And then two later round guys that I really like, and I've liked this guy for two years now. He ended up going back to school last year. PJ Mustafer crushed it at the East West Shrine game. He got a combine invite out of it, six foot four, 326 pounds. He's got a guy you can get in the fifth round, and he could be your backup to Daquan Jones from day one. And then another guy who blew up the East West Shrine game was Dante Sills at six foot four, 285 pounds out of West Virginia. So again, smaller guy, more in the Ed Oliver mold. That'll be interesting. He's an older prospect too, as he was a graduate, uh, sort of played his last COVID year, but that's an interesting name as well. So any other names stick out to you? I know Dan Kikit comes in and talks about Brian Brzee a little bit and Brzee scares me with that injury history. And I don't want to take a three tech that early. Even if he's on yeah. the board at 27. Ugh. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I would personally probably stay away. Um, yeah. <laughs> I I don't know what it is. Like, it's just something about him just rubs me the wrong way. I, I don't know what it is. Maybe I feel like he's just more of a fit, like uh, more of a fit, like in a, like a 34, like as a, like a, like a five tech, like defensive end. Like maybe that's where the vibe I'm getting like, but, but then again, JJ Watt always seemed to make it work. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just, uh, it's interesting. Yeah. I, I guess one more name to keep an eye out for uh, Moro Ajamo from Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's somebody that is probably going to be in those middle rounds. Um, I probably keep an eye on him too. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if someone at the combine blows the bills out of the water. They take a second round defensive tackle or first round defensive tackle. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think if it's someone like Benton, uh, I definitely, I would be excited if it was someone yeah. like Benton. So. And Moro Ajamo is on the smaller side, correct? He's a three tech. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then again, I'm just calling out the combine. I don't know who sends and who does not send out the invites, but I feel like Kobe Turner from Wake Forest, uh, a three tech was robbed. And one of my favorite prospects this year, another guy who I think you can get in the fifth, sixth round, six foot five, 320 pounds out of Western Kentucky. Broderick Martin had a really good East West Shrine week. 
he's another guy you could fill in right behind Daquan Jones um, and, and and to fill that role. And I think he could he could play right away. So I really like Broderick Martin's game. All right, let's let's head back to the offense here for the next three position groups, running back, tight end and quarterback. Obviously, we're getting a little long in the tooth here, so we're going to talk a little bit, maybe quicker here than we have some other positions. But running back. Bijan Robinson. My stance from day one has been if the Buffalo Bills draft him, I won't be mad, but I am not going to speak that into existence, nor will I really talk or debate it. What, what are your thoughts on, on Bijan at 27? I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> I I don't want to. Um, just, you know, the analytics mind in me says, Andrew, what are you doing? You know, take some, take mm-hmm. an undrafted free agent. You know, don't touch a first round running back. Um, now, with someone like Bijan, like you said, you know, you sit back and you think, I'm not mad. I'm not mad. But he, I mean, he's going to put on a Bills jersey. He's going to run for a, a billion touchdowns. Um, mm-hmm. He's going to take a ton of the load off of Josh Allen. I talked about it a bunch, especially on Twitter, how in the red zone, the Bills offense or the Bills running backs don't perform that well. Um, mm-hmm. And that's someone where like Devin Singletary had a huge uh, college career running in the red zone, tons of touchdowns. Um, but Bijan, I could totally see him, you know, in the red zone, they say, Hey, Josh Allen doesn't have to run that much. I mean, he's still a threat, but, um, mm-hmm. he's not taking those hits like he usually is. Yeah. I, I'd be happy, but I'd also kind of be disappointed. Um, mm-hmm. basically indifferent. So, I mean, what do you think the Buffalo bills do here at this running back position? Obviously they've got James cook under contract. They could possibly restructure. I think it's pretty, I think they're going to restructure Naheem Hines and they're going to get Naheem Hines back here to be the main kick and punt returner and, and, and gadget guy. So where do the Buffalo bills go behind James cook? Really? Do they look for another James cook style player or do you think the Buffalo bills look maybe more towards a, a power back guy, maybe give up a little bit in the passing game for a little bit of a between the tackles bruiser. Not that James Cook didn't show he can't contribute between the tackles, but uh, obviously you're not going to want James Cook to take that beating between the tackles on the regular. So what are, what are your thoughts there on, on where the Buffalo bills go if they draft a guy or whether they sign a free agent? Yeah. Based on, based on the history of the bills, um, we love mm-hmm. drafting guys very early, you know, second, third round, fourth round. Um, and we also don't like drafting very athletic guys. Um, you know, mm-hmm. Devin Singletary, four, six, 40, Zach Moss, four, six, 40. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, obviously James cook athletic, very good. Yeah. Um, he also has his limitations due with the size. As we talked about, mm-hmm. he was very efficient this year though. Um, I personally, I would guess that they would try to, especially if they keep Hines, they would probably go toward more towards that bowling ball um, type mm-hmm. of running back as Jim Wickens, Jim Wickens puts in the chat. Um, definitely more of that bowling ball type of running back, um, mm-hmm. the hard hitter. Uh, one guy that's probably in rounds two to three that I like uh, tank Bigsby. Um, mm-hmm. That's a name where, you know, very good um, after contact, which is something that's really important if you're running in between the tackles, uh, 4.2 yards after contact per attempt, which was 40th mm-hmm. um, of all running backs in the country, over 50 rushing attempts. And then also another guy too, uh, or sorry, another stat. Um, mm-hmm. It was 0.34 missed tackles forced per attempt. So essentially yeah. that means one every three carries, he's making a guy miss. Mm-hmm. Um, so especially for someone who runs in between the tackles, um, 
that's a, that's a, a value yeah. that I value. Um, but now when you think about some of the other guys that go to the smaller schools, um, you know, Keaton Mitchell is one of them that I really like. Um, and the, uh, the UAB guy, Dwayne McBride. Um, he's yeah. another guy that I really like too. Not, not going to be testing. He hurt himself uh, working out too. So that's another guy who's not going to be testing. Unfortunately, I was looking forward to seeing him test and, and hearing his story too. So that's unfortunate. Yeah. And yeah. And those, those two guys, I think mm-hmm. um, they also have very high um, missed tackles force per attempt. Um, but you have to remember too, they also don't play in power five conferences. Mm-hmm. They're playing with worse defense um, against them. So you know, if they're have an elite athleticism, some of those guys don't on defense. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some of those stats are a little inflated where I think take, take Bigsby played yeah. in the SEC, played those SEC West defenses. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, he played Alabama, played Georgia, Texas A&M with all the talent they have. So I, yeah, take Bigsby is a name that I like. If we were to stick in the yeah. same two to three round type running back. Yeah, I think there's a lot of guys who have the potential to blow up this combine and become name like a day two name. Obviously, Devon A. Chain from Texas A&M is getting a lot of um, love right now as a guy who could blow up the combine and be a day two pick despite his lack of size. Zach Charbonnet has always been in that day two conversation. Zach Evans, I hope he tests well and gets into the second day because that pushes some more guys back for us. Jameer Gibbs is getting those Kamara comps. Um, I'm looking. Evan Hull is claiming he's going to run a 4440, which could really do well for his stock. I hope he doesn't because I really like Evan Hull. I would love Evan Hull in like the fifth, sixth round. I think one of the names that's going to come out of this combine is going to be Roshan Johnson, Bijan Robinson's backup. I don't know how much he's going to work out. He broke his hand at the Senior Bowl. So maybe he works out. Maybe he doesn't. But if he does, I think he could be a name. I think Roshan Johnson could go like day two, like he could go way higher than people expected. Kenny McIntosh is rising. You mentioned Keaton Mitchell is a guy who's really going to make a name for himself this week. And Tajay Spears. I'm all for it because some of my favorite guys in this draft, Deuce Vaughn, all right, if he slips. I'm not as high on Sean Tucker as some other people are, but Sean Tucker. Tavion Thomas, if he's there in like the sixth round. Chris Rodriguez Jr., if he's there in the sixth round. Um Keandre Miller, I'm really hoping he slides. I like Keandre Miller from TCU. Um, Muhammad Ibrahim is my guy from Minnesota, like fifth, sixth round. If you could grab him, I think he's plug and play RB2. And even Eric Gray is another guy who could be super interesting. And then Israel uh, Abani Kanda from Pittsburgh is another guy who, who knows? Like, the guy could be a third, fourth round pick by the time the combine is over. It'll be really interesting to see how he tests. Now, you again, um, you know, being at Illinois, uh, have a really you know tight relationship with Chase Brown. Talk about Chase Brown a little bit before we move on to uh, tight ends here. Yeah, I mean, as I talked about a little bit um, with Sydney, very high character, um, hyper athletic. He's another guy mm-hmm. where you know underwear. He's going to win the underwear Olympics. Um, yeah, I think now I just don't know. You know, because there are so many running backs, I don't know where he's going to fit. If he's going to go in the fourth round or the fifth round, I think the testing has a lot to do with it. Um, But, you know, the bills tend to draft running backs pretty early. Mm -hmm. Um, But in this situation, um, and even if we keep Hines, I wouldn't draft one. You know, we talked about, you know, Muhammad Ibrahim, um, Evan Hull, Eric Gray. You know, these are guys we can get fifth, sixth, 
maybe even seventh round. Mm -hmm. Um, so I personally, if it were me, I would wait as long as we can to get a running back. Um, and if we end up cutting Hines, I think there's enough talent in this draft that we could even find two running backs. Um, I'm not suggesting drafting one, the second and one of the fourth or anything like that, but, um, Mm -hmm. you know, even drafting a fifth and a seventh, um, you know, and restarting our running back room with James Cook and those two guys, Mm -hmm. I think, especially keeping them low cost too. That's another thing that I think is really important. Um, So you could basically have two running backs for the same cost as restructured Naheem Hines. Um, I know Mm -hmm. he has some importance in in this offense, especially in special teams too, but um, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's kind of how I feel about the right backs. All right. On to tight end now. And, this is not so much a Bills talking point, but I want to get this one off my chest. I think Luke Musgrave might be one of the most over might be one of the most overdrafted players in this draft. I mean, the guy's got at least lead us Leslie. They're going to be talking about him up and down at the combine. Oh, I can't believe a guy runs so fast for his size, you know, blah, blah, blah. But he's kind of an iffy blocker and his drop rate is pretty outlandish. What are your thoughts on Luke Musgrave? I personally would absolutely love it if some team fell in love with uh with with that you know Tarzan at, at tight end and, and took him in, in front of us and and dropped a good player to us at, at 28. Yeah, I think um I don't know if Luke Musgrave's gonna be a first round pick. Um because like you said, he he mm-hmm. doesn't have that blocking ability and he he his catch rate's pretty questionable too. So um like you know I'd love for a team, maybe even like the Bengals to jump in right after yep. us and take him. Um but yes, any tight end where they're not good at blocking, you know, I start to question, well, are you even mm-hmm. a tight end then? <laughs> um, yeah. So, so yeah, I, I personally am not a big fan of Luke Musgrave. Um, I'm a lot more of a fan of, you know, Michael Meyer who can block um, yep. Dalton Kincaid, who is very, very versatile in, in the, um, in the passing game. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the bills take one of them at 27, especially because adult Dawson Knox isn't a free agent until 2027. (laughs) And I don't know if you're aware, but it's 2023 right now. Um, (laughs) So it would be basically four years where you're the tight end too. I I, I will tell you what though, if we had maybe, I don't want to knock on Ken Dorsey too much because I've been spending all off season doing that, but if we had maybe a more creative offensive play caller, I I would I would really if Michael Mayer or even Dalton Kincaid were on the board at twenty seven, I would so consider it. Like especially like think about like what do the Bills want? They want a guy who can catch the ball over the middle of the field. In theory, Dawson Knox should probably be that guy. And Ken Dorsey came and get Dawson Knox the ball. So what's the point of you meant just mentioned having a Michael Mayer or Dalton Kincaid? But if you're the Buffalo Bills, maybe a, a team at the top half of round two wants to come up and grab a Michael Mayer or a Dalton Kincaid. If they really like them, they want to jump ahead of Cincinnati. And that's what would sting too, right? Like the Buffalo Bills have to pass on this really good player. And then like the next pick Cincinnati just goes and snags a souped up tight end to add to that offense. And just Zach Taylor uses him correctly. Like that would just suck. Right? So if you're the Buffalo Bills, maybe you field some trade calls, get real petty, try to get a team to jump ahead of Cincinnati, or like maybe you sit down with Ken Dorsey and you're like, can you make it work? Like, can you? Like Dalton Kincaid and Michael Mayer are that good. Like first round tight ends are overrated in a sense where like too many times people call someone a first round tight end. Donald Washington is not a first round tight end. 
Luke Musgrave is not a first round tight end. Every year, guys who are not first round tight ends get called first round tight ends. Michael Mayer and Dalton Kincaid are legit first round tight ends. And they are both massive weapons in the running game blocking. And they are both massive weapons on third down in the red zone over the middle of the field. Like these dudes are football players and they are really good. And it's going to be tough if one of them is on the board to pass on them. But I'm I'm with you. I would feel calls and try to be petty and get someone to jump ahead of Cincy, though. Yeah, I I just watching these tight ends. Mm-hmm. I've fallen in love with them, um, and I I'm I love Dawson Knox too. I've yeah. had to reply to some people on Twitter when I'm tweeting about Dalton Kincaid, and they're like, "What about Dawson Knox? What about Dawson Knox?" Like, Listen, hold on, you can like both. <laughs> um, but you know mm-hmm. exactly what you said. I don't think Ken Dorsey can you can utilize two tight ends. You know, he struggled enough utilizing one. Um, mm-hmm. Now, I think Kincaid has that versatility where he can go in the slot. He can go in line. You know, mm-hmm. he's a perfect third down threat. I mean, every time he gets hit, he gets five more extra yards. Um, I even just watching him, I felt like, you know, I don't want to go overboard, but he kind of had that Travis Kelsey in him. Um mm-hmm. It would be great to not have Cincinnati get a, get a Travis Kelsey, and then we got to play Travis yeah. Kelsey twice in the playoffs. Um, so yeah, I I just think based on the other needs, I mean, we've gone through every other position, and there yeah. are so many positions where we're like, uh, round one, we might need to make that move. I mean, safety and offensive mm-hmm. line, a tackle especially, tight ends more of that premium, and especially given our you know our offensive play caller and our personnel right now. With Dawson Knox for four more years, I don't see us making a move there, but I would absolutely field offers. I'm totally for trading back. Mm-hmm. So, and I mean, Dawson Kincaid too is someone who like didn't even start playing football until his like senior year of high school. Like he was a high school basketball player, and then he went to the University of San Diego, learned how to play tight end, and then you saw how far he came and 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 transitioned into just a really good football player there for the university of, of Utah. Yeah. I, I was hesitant to say Travis Kelsey. I was kind of like, Oh, Hunter Henry, but you're right. Like Hunter Henry is probably a little too stiff. Like that's probably like too stiff. Like for Kincaid, who who's is a much better, as you mentioned, you know, mover of the football. And Roy Collins says no faith in Quentin Morris. I, I love Quentin Morris. I like Quentin Morris, but again, it's up to Ken Dorsey. So if the Buffalo bills are looking to add a third tight end, because Tommy Sweeney's off the books, Zach Davidson's the only other tight end. If the Buffalo Bills were pondering maybe um, a, a, a tight end at some point in this draft later on, anyone stick out to you as a guy like fourth, fifth, sixth round, someone who's going to be at the combine that that has your attention? Yeah, hopefully. I mean, one guy that I hope really falls is Sam Laporta. Um, I think he might go second round. I, I think he could jump yeah. some guys. The combine is going to be big for him. Right. I'm hoping the comp with the combine that he slides. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and because that's a guy that he is very, very good at finding people or finding open spots, um, mm-hmm. finding open spaces and zones. And, you know, going back to the Illinois Iowa game this season, um, Sidney Brown and Sam Laporter were guarding each other. Um, and that was probably the only game Sidney Brown struggled in. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, and, and it's because Laporta is so good at finding those holes. Um, I I really hope he falls. Like you said, he could go second round. It's just hard to imagine, you know, five tight ends possibly going in the first two rounds. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we'll see what happens. But, yeah. yeah. 
I'm a big fan of Payne Durham. I think Payne Durham, because of his senior bowl, might get overdrafted, but this guy who's a red zone threat, he's an impact blocker. He's a competitive, he's a tough guy. Uh, for three years now, I've been watching Payne Durham at Purdue and it's really difficult to watch Purdue play football at times, but Payne Durham is definitely one of the reasons to, to stick and watch them. Tucker Kraft from South Dakota state is a guy to keep an eye on. Another guy to keep an eye on is like a later round guy. Zach Kuntz from old dominion was on Bruce Feldman's freak list. He's a guy who might have the best testing numbers of any tight end. So he's a guy who's going to stick out in that sense. Um, looking through Josh Wiley from Cincinnati is another guy that I like if he slides into the later half of the draft too. I'm not very high on Will Mallory. Cameron Latu is more of just a receiving guy only. I don't really you know trust him so much as a blocker. So after like those first like six or seven where it's like, wow, this is an interesting class. It just pff, Kareem's off a hill. Um, so on to quarterback now. We're blazing through here. Uh, this might be our first uh, two-hour show of the season here. Um, the Bills only have two quarterbacks rostered right now. They're likely going to add a veteran, whether it's Case Keenum or it's some other player of that stature. Are there any middle round guys maybe that you think could either challenge Matt Barkley for a practice squad spot or could get convince the Buffalo Bills like Tyler Huntley did years ago to um, have the Bills go with a more youthful backup to Josh Allen? Yeah, and I especially to think about um, the past couple of years. I mean, in 2020, they used a fifth and drafted, drafted Jake Fromm. Um, mm-hmm. And they also went with the youth backup. Um, and Mitch Trubisky. So I wouldn't be surprised if um, they use some draft capital on a quarterback. Personally, um, I do think that they end up going in the Case Keenum route. I mean, he was here all last year learning mm-hmm. the offense. They also traded a seventh for him last year. So they do feel like that he could be that backup. Um, but yeah, if I were to have one quarterback, um, you know, we were talking about a little bit pre-show, but um, yeah, Max Duggan is a guy that I really like. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he has, he really has that grit. He can put the team on his back. Um, you know, he can run, which is another thing that mm-hmm. I think is really important to backup quarterback. I think so many times, um, you know, you want your backup quarterback to be a brainiac, which is, yeah. you know, completely understandable. That's a lot of the route that Brandon Bean and company have gone. Um, but I do think that, in the event that Josh Allen would get hurt, it would most likely be in an event where he's already getting pressured a ton and he gets hit from the wrong way as he's standing in the pocket and hurts himself or someone lands on him wrong. And, you know, this backup quarterback is going to be going into the game with a broken offensive line, most likely. Mm -hmm. So I want a guy who is mobile. Um, I want a guy who is also smart. I want a leader. Um, Yeah. And I think Max Duggan, especially with how much grit he showed, Um, throughout the season, I think he's a guy that I would really like. Yeah, Rolf Wilson's like, go go get a mobile guy as your backup. And I agree. I, I, I'm team mobile backup, a guy who can make plays with his legs. I don't think Malik Cunningham is refined enough as a quarterback, so I'm out on him. But not a mobile guy, but Jake Hayner is my dude in this draft. I think Jake Hayner is like well, – I, I think he's going to have a career similar to Baker Mayfield. And people are like, well, Baker Mayfield sucks. Well, people wouldn't be saying that about Baker Mayfield if he was a fourth-round pick. Right. If Baker Mayfield is a fourth round pick, they'd be like, well, it's pretty good value. Stop, you know, spot starter for a fourth rounder. Jake Hayner is that dude who I think could be in this league a long time. I don't think he fits the mold. I think he gets drafted sooner than the Buffalo Bills are willing to use draft capital on a quarterback. Same goes for Aiden O'Connell. I like Aiden O'Connell. I call him JV Jared Goff because I think like he just sits back in shotgun and he can throw the ball. Right. He's not, he's, he's the most immobile of them all. 
but he's JV Jared Goff where he's got a good arm and he's very accurate and he can lead guys and he can lead guys open and do those things. But I think he's going to get overdrafted as well. Um, so looking at the guys who could be around in the fifth, sixth round, if we draft Stetson Benton, I will blow my brains out. Um, my, my guy has, my guy has been, and will always be in this draft class. Um, Dorian Thompson Robinson mobile five years of starting at UCLA. Um, is he the greatest quarterback in the world? No, but I think he could be a Tyler Huntley S type quarterback behind Josh Allen. He could come in, he could use his legs. He's got enough experience to where he's not going to be rattled playing in an NFL game coming in off the bench because he's got all those reps throughout his career. So a guy like DTR to me is the guy. If he's sitting there with our last pick in the sixth round, I have no problem with Brandon Bean pulling the trigger on a guy like DTR. I think it's about time the Buffalo Bills bring in a youthful quarterback because they really haven't done it that much. Jake Fromm stunk. Um, I don't really even count him. Like I just was so mad at that pick. Davis Webb kind of counts maybe a little bit, but like that's a guy who was a like a uh, ahead of his years, right? Because he's already a quarterbacks coach with the Denver Broncos. So, um, you know, it, it really it, it'll be interesting to see what the Buffalo Bills do there at the quarterback position and see if they make a pivot from what they've traditionally done and gone out and found a guy who's played snaps in this league. Obviously, the name a lot of people are going to point to is Sam Darnold if he gets a gets a gets out of Carolina as as a possibility for the Buffalo Bills. All right, last but not least, cornerback. Uh, the Bills used to a first round pick and a sixth round pick last year. They double dipped. So obviously not the biggest of needs. Um, now that Trey White's coming back from his second year off in ACL, you have White, you have Elam, you have Benford. You're more than likely going to have Dane Jackson back when the Buffalo Bills figure out a contract with him, whether it's tendering him as an RFA or letting him walk and signing him back for cheap. So cornerback isn't the biggest need, um, but there are... It's funny, right? Like this draft class is loaded at running back and and cornerback in the Buffalo Bills took running back quarterback first two picks last year. But uh, there, I mean, there are some freaks early on in this draft, whether it's uh, three guys who go in the top 10, Joey Porter Jr., Devin Witherspoon, and, uh, you know, Christian Gonzalez. So what what are your thoughts on on this cornerback class and some names that really pop out to you? Like 10 guys could go in the first two rounds. Like it's it's outrageous. The more corners that go, the better because more guys that drop to the Buffalo Bills, right? Yeah, no, even, I mean, as many cornerbacks edge, any of those guys that want to go early, be my guest. Um, that'd be great. Luke, throw Luke Musgrave in there too. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, I watched Devin Witherspoon play as I talked about with the Brown brothers, very aggressive. This guy, you know, hits unlike any other corner I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he was a zero star out of high school. Um, you know, played his way up and is going to be maybe even a top five pick. I mean, we'll see. Um, I don't think Seattle would take him, and they have the fifth pick, but I think Detroit mm-hmm. could, depending on how they feel about Okuda. Um, I've also heard some Jalen Ramsey trade stuff there with Detroit. So I don't know about that, but um, yeah, Devin Witherspoon, very good. I hope all the corners mm-hmm. go early. Um, yeah. I mean, this is just outrageous. I don't want to spend too much time on this, but these are all the guys who go in the first three rounds. Christian Gonzalez, Joey Porter Jr., Devin Witherspoon, Cam Smith, Keely Ringo, Clark Phillips, Emmanuel Forbes, DJ Turner, Kyle Blue Kelly. I'm already, I'm almost at 10. Julius Brents, who I think could be a sleeper first rounder. He could have a really good, and he could start to give people, why am I blanking on the corner? Who Tyreek, he could give people some Tariq Woolen vibes with his size and his speed. Garrett Williams, um, you know, Trey Hodges, Tomlinson, even though he's a little smaller, he'll probably be the one that dips. Deontay Banks from Maryland, Tyreek Stevenson from Miami. 
I really like Rajon Wright. Katrill Clark had a really good East-West Shrine game. And then um, another guy that's really impressing some people is Darius Rush. Like literally like 10, 15 dudes can go in the first three rounds. Obviously, some of them will more than likely slip. But like if they start going, like one team takes a corner, another team takes a corner. Some teams might start to panic and there could be a run on corners and the Buffalo Bills could be could prosper from 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 that uh, in terms of the way it goes. So again, we're rooting for all those edge guys to have a really good day at the combine. We're also rooting for all these corners to have a really, really good day at the combine. All right. That should just about do it for this evening. Longest show of the off season. So apologize if you weren't uh, expecting that one from us, Andrew, sorry about that. Usually we get it done in about hour 15, hour 30. So a little bit long today with so many position groups to talk about. And I think we spent an oddly long amount of time on wide receivers. So, <laughs> um, but thank you so much. Any parting thoughts uh, before we head out of here? Yeah, I just really hope we don't take an edge player with our first round pick. Um, that'd be very frustrating, but yeah, just go into this weekend. Um, enjoy the testing, pay more attention to who the bills interview than anything else. I would say mm -hmm. that's what I would do. So, yeah, I'm definitely gonna be looking for patterns and who the Buffalo bills interview. I'm going to be listening to like a lot of these guys' backstories too. So like a lot of things that you get from the combine that you don't get, you know, just from perusing the internet or, or doing self scouting or watching the tape. It's just hearing some of these guys backstory and like their journey. And a lot of times like that carries weight with some teams, especially like the Buffalo bills. Like they, I think they look for guys who are wired the right way, guys who were brought up the right way, things of that nature. So um, I definitely think just listening to some of these guys' stories and hear some of the anecdotes that guys like Daniel Jeremiah and Charles Davis and them are going to have to share over the course of the weekend is just really cool. And you start to get to know some of these prospects just a little bit more. And, and you start to get to know their personality just as well as you get to know them, the football player, like last year with Roger McCreary, uh, eating an entire can of refried beans before every game. That was uh, one of the more interesting pre-draft stories of last year. But, uh, thank you so much, Andrew. Really appreciate it. We'll have to have you back sometime. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. Always appreciate you guys in the comment section. If you missed any portion of the show, you can always catch us on replay. I'll do my best to get this thing timestamped before I go to bed tonight. So each position group will be timestamped in the comment section. Leave a comment. I'll make sure to get back to it over the course of the week and respond to you. And you're always more than welcome to listen to the show on your way to work, at the gym, while you're eating breakfast, while you're pretending to do work in your cubicle at the office, whatever you want to do. If you're, You can also listen to the show on podcast form by simply searching Air Raid Buffalo in any of your major podcasting platforms. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. As always, we would not be the show we are without you guys in the comments section. And until next time, Andrew, we always like to finish off with a, with a Go Bills. So I'll start, and then you can finish this off here. Go Bills. Go Bills.